Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. It is um, Thursday, January 21st. This week is flying by. This year is flying by. It's crazy. It's the Ohio Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm here with Brandon and Craig. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Excellent. And we're going to talk about all the going on yesterday. Uh, just a quick promo first. Our interview part of this show had uh, Laura Kessel, old uh, work friend of mine who is a colleague of mine now. She's the editor of the Alliance Review. Uh, she came on to talk a little Seinfeld. We talked a little bit of the maestro, and I ran and raved about how Bob Cobb, the maestro, is my least favorite uh, Seinfeld character. Uh, Brandon, have you ever worked with anybody that demands they call you the best? Uh, it wasn't me. So don't say me. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> it was Chris. Yes. <laughs> he said, oh, call me no. Chris Best. Yes. Well... Bob I was gonna Cobb. be snarky, say myself. Does myself count? But no, I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not really that uh, ego tit ma- manical. So well, I'm, kidding, I'm really. I was. I call myself the worst. <laughs> well, Bob's this guy. He moved to New York, and he was a conductor of a really small orchestra. He went around demanding everyone called him the maestro, and he bragged about his big um, house in Tuscany, which is weird. You're living in New York, and you have a big house in Tuscany, and you're conducting a small orchestra. So uh, lots of me ranting and raving about Bob Cobb. If you're into that, check it out. It should be good. All right. Yeah, um, inauguration was yesterday. Um, definitely want to talk inauguration. But before we end up doing that, I had a couple things that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, I don't know if any of us are going to grocery stores anymore, but wh- who was it? it? It was Craig, right? You were the big Kroger guy, right? Yeah. The other day. Well, Kroger is testing this new smart cart where it eliminates checkout. There's some technology where the cart itself scans your items. Now, we're not going to the grocery store a ton, I guess. I mean, I think Brandon's still going a little bit. I mean, is this appealing at all? I'm not sure what to think about this. Well, I think it is when you're talking about, you know, the the time that we're living in with – with COVID being a concern, um, you know, Kroger always seems to be on the cutting edge of things. I, I think they probably had click list, you know, purchasing and, um, you know, pick up without going into the store before a lot of other stores have. I know they have the bag scan where you can like, you know, scan your grocery bag and, you know, items as you go. So, it, you know, they seem to always be sort of on the cutting edge of things. And this is probably a great time to introduce something like this and, you know, avoids the checkout lines. I've never had any issues really with checkout lines at Kroger um, with the exception of maybe of right before, you know, a holiday or something. But yeah, it seems like a nice, uh, you know, nice way for people to avoid, you know, sort of the, the race to the checkout lines at the end of their shopping trip. Brandon, are you frustrated because all of our clerks are going to be going out then, right? Because with smart carts and Walmart, you can use your phone to scan items. Uh, there's going to be no more clerks anymore. Does that frustrate you? Oh, this has always been kind of a, a talking point and with the automation of everything. Um, 
but I in a ironic way that this with last year and going into this year, it's like this is the one time people are like, I don't mind a, a robot ch- checking me out. I mean, because of the pandemic. I mean, you know, yeah. like, for the clerk's safety, it's for our safety. They I mean it was so weird just seeing those plastic barriers that they've put up throughout every store. And I, I even said, Do you think they'll keep these after the pandemic? <laughs> and yeah. And uh, um well, well I guess. Um Hey, flu season. I, I I can't wait to see flu season be like, we'll actually beat the flu, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Um, very low flu rates. But um, I, I honestly, I'm not going to, I don't, this won't make me go to Kroger. Um, I like the simplicity of Aldi. I'll bang on my chest on that until I die. <laughs> so that's all I have to say. Yeah, my wife uh, tested Walmart. She's run a trial period of Walmart Plus to see if that works. And the one thing I told her was, other than deliveries, I'm not sure what else they're doing for you. Because they say you can download this app where you scan the products as you go through the store. And then you don't have to pay. You pay for your account. But I used to be really angry at Walmart because they had these people at the door that would check your carts like you're a criminal. Would those people be at the the door of Walmart anymore? I, I don't know. It, it's weird. Because I feel weird just picking items up and just leaving without paying, even though if you're paying on your app. I, I know it's confusing. I mean, I think it's going to be okay, but if I, I would be confu- I would be confused if I'm a security guard at the place to know if somebody's ripping you off or not. Would that be a problem, Craig? I don't know. I, I'm not sure it'd be a problem. I think, you know, ultimately, I'm, I'm assuming that as as a guest, you know, is in the store, they pick up an item and they say, okay, I want this peanut butter. They scan it in, goes in the cart. You know, I don't know if there's any fail safes for if something is put in the cart that has not been read by a scanner. I'm sure there probably is some kind of technology out there for that. Um, but it's, you know, it seems like I don't think you're going to see more theft or, you know, more issues with security. Um, I know that, you know, you see a lot more of that maybe at Walmart or even at Kroger, you know, when I, I do the self-scan uh, checkout aisle, um, they have computers, you know, they have a cameras there. And, and as you're scanning, if something doesn't beep and it seems like you're putting it in the bag, it almost shows like a replay to you that, hey, this is not scanning it looks like you're trying to steal something. So, and, and it will, the weight of the, you know, the bagging area will actually capture the fact that you have more than, you know, 12 items. If you have 13 items, it will say we only have 12 scanned items. So it will alert the, uh, the clerk that's on the site there that, Hey, maybe they're not scanning all their items. So I don't think this is going to hurt or I don't know if it will help, but I don't think it'll hurt their, you know, theft or, you know, just unscanned purchases. Well, yeah, I'm guessing the smart cart, it'll be a different color. Like you could tell, hey, he's got the smart cart when somebody else doesn't. I, I, I still kind of question about Walmart, you know, because how do you know who has the app and how do you know who doesn't? And I mean, that would be kind of frustrating. Brandon, the other thing that frustrates me about this is you go to all these. I've gone to all these before and I've scanned my own stuff. I have trouble scanning stuff. Maybe I'm just dumb, but man, do you ever struggle with scanning things? Well, we don't have self checkout at Aldi's, but uh, um, oh, I thought they did. No, uh, the ones I've been to, not no. It's always been a been a clerk. Oh, you have to do it. your own bags. That's you true. have to do your own bag. Okay. okay. So, um, but you know, if, but the times I have gone to Kroger, maybe to pick up prescriptions or have to pick up something there. I mean, um. Self-checkout's never been really... I think that te- at the beginning when they rolled that, that system out, it was kind of frustrating. Um, but you, it, it's probably... It, we're all used to it now for the most part. And um, heck, the lines are longer at the self-checkout sometimes than the, than the ones at the clerks. So um, it's, it's... You kind of... I think the little tricky things you think you would think like produce and stuff, it's a lot simpler now to kind of figure out what's the correct how to ring that up and um um yeah so i i think um um that i don't i don't have any issues personally for my for my experience with them i had an embarrassing time um when i first started working with the dispatch companies uh we worked out of um they have a plant that's currently up for sale on the west side of town and they had 
when I first started working there, they got all excited because they said, look, we have our self-scan lunches where you can buy snacks, lunches, you scan them. I could not scan the lunches. <laughs> so I must have frustrated half the people there because every time I went to buy like a little sandwich or a pizza there or a pop or whatever the case might be, I always had to ask for help scanning. So maybe it's me. I just have a personal thing against scanning. I don't know what it is, but I want... I also Chris, it's the barcode. You use the barcode. Yeah, but when you, you don't just have to hold it up to the scanner. <laughs> yeah, I just hold it up and say, "Hey, is the scanner?" I have a sandwich. Well, when it's like the wrapper, now it's one thing if if you have like a box of something and it's a box. Well, it's a wrapper, it wrapper, and it crinkles a little bit. Oh, it's so hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only guy because everyone else, like when I'm like, "Hey, I need help," you know, somebody comes up and scans it right away. So. Maybe that's some problems. I don't know. Maybe this will help you. You know, maybe you it'll, maybe you'll be able to do it right there, and it'll it'll be easier. Who knows? Well, and if it means less clerks, have more people in the back stocking stuff. I mean, hey, I'm not gonna tell you if you have less clerks or not, but don't have less employees. I want more people in the back stocking. I want people if I uh, pick up my order online, uh, I want people to come to the car quick. The other day at Walmart, I had to wait a half hour for somebody to come out to the car. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. you'll see that problem at Kroger. You know, they're a unionized job, so I, I, I doubt you would see, you know, clerk maybe getting uh, cut because of this technology. If anything, they'll just move them around, and you know, there's always a need for people to monitor things like this, like they do with self checkout. So there'll always be these, you know, a clerk in some capacity. I, Brandon, I wonder if Craig's sponsored by Kroger. I mean, there's a lot of Kroger pranks going on. <laughs> well, my wife loves their organic selection. Okay. Um, I like a hodgepodge of things. I I love Aldi too. Um, okay. you know, shout out! Shout out to the Aldi Kirkland Chicken Breast, which is a uh, good takeout for uh, Chick Fil A. I don't know if you've ever had that, Brandon, but their chicken breast uh, from Kirkland is a very good chicken. Is it the red? Um, is it called the Redback Chicken? <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's in the red bag. It's Kirkland brand. It's chicken breast fillet is what's on the bag. It's yeah. very plain and simple, but it is a good fake out for Chick Fil A. It's got that nice pickled brine on it. Very good stuff. They also have good chicken nuggets and you know just other various things. Oh too. yeah, if I had it, I've had that because I heard about yeah. that. Uh, it's yeah. really good. It is. It's very good. It's very close to Chick Fil A. Well, I got memo out there for Aldi's and um, uh, Kroger. Hey, on our website, viewfromthepew.club, we have an advertise with us icon. When you advertise with us, you're advertising with the show. Quit making separate sponsor deals with Brandon and Craig. I mean, <laughs> I'm not seeing this money, but clearly Brandon and Craig are getting paid multi tons of money because I'm hearing a ton of pay me. They pay me in German dollars, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if I'm you want sponsorship, Germany. We sponsored the show, and I'll say nice things about you guys too. I mean, just. I mean, this is what we're getting near the end of the third week of these daily things. And I mean, the Kroger, all these references are just. Hey, you, I mean, it's you're talking about grocery stores. You know, we're going to bring it up, you know. Well, we're a very food friendly podcast. Uh, that's why we're all either dieting or, <laughs> or need to diet. So, hey, it's all good. And I say me, I need to diet. It, it's good. I, I wanted to spend some time um, talking about this. Um, you know, I, I had Bob Garver on to talk about movies. It hasn't been a great year for movies because we're in the pandemic. So, you know, we're talking about stuff like The War of Grandpa. I'm like, is that the best thing we have? Well, there's some movies coming out, and uh, USA Today has a story. One thing to talk about each is I'm actually intrigued about it by this a little bit. I'm not a James Bond fan, but I, I'll sit and watch a James Bond movie, and Daniel Craig um, is coming off No Time to Die. Um, this is going to be his last James Bond. Um, April 2nd, it's supposed to come out. Um, I, they said Mike could push back. Are you guys into Bond? Are you looking forward to this? I am. I'm a, I'm a Bond fan. I'm, I like Daniel Craig as, as James Bond as well. Um, you know, I think they're gonna. it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. You know, we still have a few months here before the movie is released, and a lot of these big blockbusters are going to be released. And I think right now the, the studios are sort of playing the waiting game on COVID and, and maybe where the vaccine is by then. 
I think a lot of people think it's trending that we're going to have vaccines for everybody by then. But with the rollout being a little slower, it's kind of up in the air. But at the end of the day, you know, it's costing these studios a lot of money to continue pushing back films. I a lot of it. And I think Bob mentioned this um, in a previous interview. You know, a lot of it's going to hinge on what happens in New York and L.A. You know, New York has been very strict with their their COVID pre you know, protocols. Theaters have not opened back up there. I think if you start seeing those theaters open back up, you're definitely going to see these new releases this year come out. And hopefully for, you know, for the sake of movie theaters, maybe save the box office and save movie theaters as a whole. Brandon, we have a new president yesterday. Um, we talk about healing for our country. Is, is a new movie from Daniel Craig the next step to healing for us? <laughs> Um, <laughs> a British, a British film about a British spy with the title, no time to die. <laughs> yeah, that's very, it seems like the right kind of antidote. I would, um, um, to our divisive country, but, um, I, I'm not, I don't know really, to be honest. I, I, I you know, uh, um, I got, I got weirdly into the Craig movies. Like I started the first one I watched of them was the quantum solace movie, which was the worst because, it was a, it was it was written during the writer strike. Yeah, <laughs> so they it started out great and then it got weird near the middle and end and it's like, what what's going on? Was this this an environmental film? Anyways, um, but then got to see got to go back and watch Casino Royale when you had us do a, a movie review, Chris. Oh yes, on yes. A previous <laughs> podcast. Yeah. That was interesting just from watching a an 06 film before the iPhone came out. So right. Um, but um, my favorite one so far has been Skyfall. I, I really, it was a subtle nod to the to the nostalgia, but still refreshing. Um, and then I didn't really get to finish Spectre, so I got to go back and finish it. But because it kind of seems like it's gonna, this is gonna be a direct lead up to that. So, but overall, you know, James Bond franchise is just one of those that's been around forever, and it's almost like people have always like to predict who's gonna be the next actor for Bond. So um, you know, be good fun. I don't run out and catch every Bond movie, but when it comes on, I'll watch it. So, I mean, I'll watch it, but I'm thinking maybe a couple of years from now. I mean, it's not going to be one I'm, I'm rushing to. Um, Craig, Black Widow. Why is it so big of a deal? Everybody I talk to says Black Widow is going to be amazing. Well, you know, I, I think it's it, – we've seen Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow now for, you know, almost, what, 11 years or so now? I mean, it's we've seen this character – come in and out of a lot of these movies. Um, aside from Captain Marvel with Brie Larson, this is the first real uh, female-led vehicle, and it, and it really does have a, a strong cast. But, you know, it's been pushed back. It's been delayed. Some people are wondering if, if Disney Plus is just going to uh, release this without a theatrical release uh, like they've done with, like, Soul and some other stuff. Um, and they've announced a lot of a lot of their newer movies are going to be, you know, straight to Disney Plus. I don't think Black Widow is going to be that movie. I think they're going to try to get a theatrical run out of it because they want to try to recoup some of the budget. And I also think in some ways it's important because, you know, a lot of people, you know, the, the, the idea was that maybe a, a female led superhero vehicle could not thrive at the box office and i think disney plus in some ways wants to you know sort of quell that by releasing it and having it be successful and and then maybe that can lead on to more you know captain marvel 2 is obviously already in production or getting ready to uh, get into production and i think this is a, a big movie for them because i think they want to show people that it doesn't have to be a Robert Downey Jr. led vehicle. It doesn't have to be Chris Hemsworth as Thor or Chris Evans as Captain America, that they can make successful, you know, superhero movies with, you know, Scarlett Johansson leading the way. And I think it's, it's going to probably do fairly well. Um, I don't know if it'll do, you know, the same box office numbers, obviously being in COVID, but I don't think it's going to, you know, equate to maybe what captain marvel did but i think it's a, it's important for marvel it's important for disney plus to to release this theatrically to make that money back if they can brandon i don't like it's not that i don't like superhero movies i just i'm not into them so when i heard about black widow i was a little bit confused about what the movie was about and obviously it being a she doesn't call movie, husband chris yeah yeah like i'm thinking about wow is this about you know 
good movie for 2020, what we're going through in you know, 2021. And I, I got confused. And then I started to hear Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, what does she have to do with this? And then it, it's a superhero movie. So is this going to appeal to any, people like me who aren't really into superhero movies? I think Scarlett Johansson's really part of a kind of that superhero Marvel's Avenger flick. I mean, she's, it's probably the only reason I wouldn't burn Iron Man too. Cause that's when she was first introduced in the, in the franchise and um and um she got a better role when uh her role got that more more improved in the for first avengers movie i'll honestly though i think um um this will be a good flick either way whether you're in the superhero films or not um so it's it's usually these superhero films are weird in the sense that they appeal to a specific audience but there's also they are also so malleable to be like have a subgenre under underneath it's like um captain america winter soldier was just it had superhero elements but man it was a really good spy thriller action thriller kind of deal so um kind of political also a bit of a political thriller as well so i mean guardians of the galaxies uh films have been just wonderful comedy action comedy adventures or space sci-fis i mean there's something for everyone. That's why these films are, are, are pursued to be made. And it's always why there's always a debate about whether these films are, are like, um, you know, are they, are they good movies or are they just amusement parks? In some ways it's true. Iron Man 2 was definitely just a cash grab, but um, yeah, I think it's always worth checking out um, with, for Black Widow. I would say it's definitely worth checking out. Um I got to say, too, you know, Scott Johansson's a good actress. Nothing against Scott Johansson. Um, it's bothering me that Scott Johansson married Colin Jost, who is the weekend update anchor of Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, how did Colin Jost marry up that high as he married Scott Johansson? That bothers me a little bit. So I, I don't know if that alone is going to bother me about the film. Do you lose sleep over that, Brandon? <laughs> Oh, I like I, I like that story. I, I, I've lost a little sleep. It's okay. I mean, I I kind of sense I'm not as funny as Colin Jost, but I kind of feel like you know if I married Scott Johansson, it's just something. I mean, hey, if those kids found love, good for them. It just feels. I I I don't know. So again, it was I don't understand superhero movies. So Black Widow, I thought it was something completely different, <laughs> and Scott Johansson, nothing against her, but. Why is she married to Colin Joe? See, there's a lot of things going into my mind before I even start thinking about this movie. Let me, um, in the interest of time, because I definitely want to talk about the uh, inauguration. Uh, we'll mention the other ones, but I just want to kind of pick, handpick a couple that I really wanted us to talk about. Um, there's F9, Vin Diesel. Eh, I feel like Vin Diesel, that's good. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Do you guys have any interest in this? Um, yeah, some people were upset about uh, you know, how do you make it a female movie? But it looks like it's a new generation, you know, with the Ghostbusters that came out a couple years ago. But now this is kind of going back. Uh, there's going to be some old stars coming back, and it's like the new wave of Ghostbusters. Brandon, are you interested in this at all? I think from Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Ghost, this is like a direct follow up to the original Ghostbusters franchise, right? Yeah, as far as I know, yeah, and, and it's going to be directed by Jason Reitman, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the originals, so yeah, it's going to be sort of a follow-up to that. Okay, because there's been this weird trend over the years of, like, you have you had so many, so many, um, you have a franchise that was established, and there was movies put, uh, good movies that were put out probably in the 80s or 90s, and, and then late 90s, they put out a sequel that was terrible, and then years later, they'll come up with a or here's a sequel, but to the original, like they did that kind of bit with Halloween. And um, I feel like there was probably another film they did that with, but um, this feels like what they're trying to do with uh, Ghostbusters. Unfortunately, like I thought the female centric film was fun. Um, you know, I just think it didn't do well in the box office. So um, for whether there was disputes over whether it was the marketing was issue behind it or not, but um yeah, it seems like it'll be a good film, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not beating down the door to see this, although I'm a big fan of the original Ghostbusters. Um, 
you know, it's it's more of a cash grab. I think Hollywood has gotten into this rut where making sequels or spinoffs or, you know, and we have several other on several others on this list of 15 movies that, um, you know, fall into that category of, well, we, we want to make money, but we don't want to try anything new. So let's make this. Let's make another Fast and Furious. Let's make another Top Gun. So um, not going to necessarily beat down the door to see this, but I will eventually get to it at some point, whether it be in theaters if we are, you know, COVID-free or safe of, of COVID or, you know, just catching it on cable or something in a couple of years. Well, and let's do this. But there's like 15 movies, and it's going to take us forever to get through all 15 of them. Let's, um, we'll have the link up on our podcast. You can check out all 15. But I'm going to pick one of the rest. You guys pick one of the rest that you're really excited about. Um, I'm looking at the rest of this list, and I got to tell you, Mission Impossible I'm kind of interested in, but the stories always confuse me. They're, they're very detailed, and I, I got to think too much. I'm not into that. I'm actually into Top Gun. Uh, you know, the new movie coming out. Um, you know, I've seen some of the trailers, which the action looks great. The the um, uh, the way the movie shot, the fact it was shot more in 2020 ever than the 80s. I don't know. I'm kind of excited. I'm not a huge Tom Cruise guy, but I'm looking at the rest of that list, and Top Gun's probably the movie I'm more, most interested in going out to see. Am I crazy? A little bit. <laughs> Okay. I mean, nothing against Top Gun, but, you know, and, and I, you know, look, a lot of people have personal opinions on Tom Cruise. My opinion is this, you know, when Tom Cruise wants to be in the right project, he is a terrific actor. And he's generally speaking, he hits home runs with Mission Impossible lately. Um, I would probably, if I'm going to see a Tom Cruise sequel this year, it'd probably be Mission Impossible over Top Gun. Um, never really thought Top Gun deserved a lot of the hype, uh, but Mission Impossible They've definitely had a great run here in the last several years, especially I think especially too with uh, Chris McQuarrie taking over and as director and, and lead writer of these projects. He's really done a great job. That's not necessarily my pick for the, the movies that are on this list, but yeah, Mission Impossible has really hit a great stride. Brandon, I gotta say, um, uh, any any show, and there was a show I was watching every day. I can't remember what it was. Any show that pokes fun at the classic beach volleyball scene with all the guys doing uh, doing their beach volleyball stuff always makes me laugh. Um, I, I'm not looking forward to the new Top Gun, but would you be anxious to see if there's another beach volleyball scene with a bunch of guys playing? <laughs> I've never even seen the Top Gun, so these references are like going over my head a little bit. We're talking about <laughs> Top Gun, right? Right. Well, they had kind of like an iconic scene in Top Gun where the guys were just playing beach volleyball and they were playing with their shirts off and everything else. And I, I guess, you know, if you're a girl or a guy, it's in the guys, it's really exciting. But, you know, if you're like me who likes girls, it, it kind of gets weird. And there's been a lot of TV shows that kind of ma have made fun of that. Um, I think if it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, there was a number one. Oh, it, it was guys that were playing girls in basketball, and they were playing the the theme for that. Uh, it was like a bunch of adult guys playing a bunch of little girls in basketball, and it was just watching them play, and they had that theme going on. It, it was fun. I don't know. It, it, it was. I'm nothing mad. <laughs> yes, yes. It was very. It, it was very. Common. I mean, people are probably like, "You haven't seen what kind of monster are you for not watching Top Gun?" I'm just. No, you're not a monster. <laughs> it's okay, Brandon. You haven't missed much. To me, this list is kind of unappealing. Of course, it's going to hate more hate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. I don't want to see my Twitter mentions. How can you not like Top Gun? Yeah, I don't want to see my Twitter mentions after this. My goodness. I talk about Subway and my Twitter blows up. It's kind of crazy. But, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess it's more criticism than the list. I'm not excited about too many of these films. <clears throat> Brandon, what, what's on your list? What do you want to see? And we'll make fun of you. Right. Like you made fun of me. I'll give I'll give two shout-outs, but I'll give most of it to Dune. Uh, I never saw okay. the original either, so again, I don't know what's wrong with All me. Right. Apparently, there's it's any a, beach volleyball scenes there. Well, it's a sci-fi fiction, so I would assume. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but based off of the sand. Original... <laughs> sand, yeah. A lot of sand but, there. Um... Hey, yeah. I think they do throw some artifact around, or maybe I'm getting it mixed up with crawl. I'm getting it. Never mind. I'm getting. It. But um, 
No, I, I never saw the original either, but they say this this movie coming out is more faithful adaptation of the book uh, that it's based on. So I always I always find it weird that Hollywood back in in probably those eighties, nineties, or seventies, like when they adapted a book, they didn't follow the book. Now there's kind of like, oh, we'll do more of a faithful adaptation um, as best we can within the allotted time. But um, so that's something I was kind of interested in. And then of course after that. Spider-Man 3 is coming out, and it sounds like it's going to be a Spider-Man universe kind of deal where Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man comes back, and um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man comes back, and then, of course, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is the star of it, so that'll be fun and crazy. Hopefully, it'll, they'll, it'll, it'll turn out well. Yeah, I have a lot of big expectations for Dune. Um, I'm not sure if you pick that in regards to anything other than that it looks interesting, but you know, it was obviously supposed to come out last year and uh, uh, just very excited for me for that film because of uh, Denis Villeneuve, who's directing it. And he is, I mean, he is like the king of directing right now as, as far as action film, science fiction. Uh, he directed Blade Runner 2049. He directed Arrival. Um, he also directed Sicario in 2015, a really underrated movie that he directed, Enemy. Um, and then also Prisoners in 2013. Both those movies were terrific, especially Prisoners is a very personal favorite of mine. Um, I'm glad you picked that so I can actually pick something else. Um, I'm going to pick The Matrix 4. And I was a really big fan of the original in 99. Uh, the sequels, I think, sort of get a, a little bit lost in the shuffle. I think a lot of people don't always have kind words about the sequels, but they were pretty you know, solid films. Um, just kind of excited to see what they do with the Matrix for, you know, what kind of direction they go in. Um, I would imagine, you know, with cutting edge technology, visual effects should be outstanding. So I'm just excited to see, you know, what direction they take this franchise in. And if it's just a cash grab or if they had a great idea that, you know, maybe they can move forward and, and maybe start up another franchise with it. Craig, you just bashed. Hollywood for doing spinoffs and sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we just got done talking about, you know, Top Gun being an 80s movie now into a remake, and we Dune is the same, but right. I'm not against remakes or sequels as long as they're they're good. I mean, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Blade Runner 2049 was amazing. It, it actually may have been in some ways better than the original, which is a surprise. Um I'm not opposed to these movies. I, I still want to see, you know, original creations like, you know, what we've seen with Christopher Nolan with Tenet and Inception and movies like that. But at the end of the day, you're going to get a lot of these movies. And if they're good, then that's fine. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, Hollywood wants to make money, but I want to see them make money while also making stuff that's uh, unique and original, but also good. And if they make these movies good, then that's really all that matters. Yeah. Here's my take on you guys' choices. Dune, for me, is like baseball. Hey, if you're into baseball, it's fine. I can't criticize. I'm just not into it. So go no, watch fine. Yeah, I mean, Go watch baseball. It's, you know, it's, like a really, it's like really niche sci-fi. I mean, you know, the 1980s movie is more of like a cult, you know, sort of a cult following movie. It wasn't all that great. Um, but there's a lot of hope because of Villeneuve directing it and you know maybe taking it taking it another step further especially given some of the stuff he's already done so i don't think anybody's like super would have been super excited about a dune remake or sequel or whatever you want to call this had he not been in the director's chair after what he's just done with like blade runner 2049 and some of his other well, films so well you know here's, here's my memo to america too okay yeah do a superhero movie I, i'm not saying ban all superhero movies but hey america Stop going to every freaking superhero movie because you're going to every freaking superhero movie. So what they're going to do more superhero movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pick a couple and you say, ah, Black Widow. Okay, we can go without Black Widow or we can go without Spider-Man. I mean, just don't blindly accept everything that's fed to you because every superhero that's ever come in the past, present, or future is going to have a movie. And again, it's not like Dune. Okay, Dune is one movie, or Blade Runner 2049 is a movie. But, you know, we're not embracing every sci-fi movie. That's why we're not bringing back every sci-fi movie. But we're bringing back every superhero because America just wants to watch superhero movies all the time. 
don't know. It just kind of frustrates me. Well, they're safe. I mean, they, they make money. They're generally pretty solid movies. But at the end of the day, you know, these studios are, are you know, when they're pitching these ideas, they're thinking, well, what's going to make money? And with how the budgets are these days with movies getting up to the, you know, it seems like for these blockbusters, it's a minimum of $175 million production budget commitment on top of advertising and things like that. You're up into the two to $300 million that you're investing into one single summer blockbuster. You know, it, it's hard for them. They don't want to take chances because, you know, you don't, if you have a stinker, even if the movie's considered great, if you have a movie that just doesn't do it at the box office, then you take a loss and you, you start to wonder, well, we could have done, you know, a Spider-Man or we could have done an Iron Man or an Avengers movie rather than take a chance on, you know, an inception type idea where okay. it's a great idea, but it just doesn't do the box office that we want. Well, just refine your taste America, you, you know, get into <laughs> other stuff. I mean, even like music, I, I was going to mention respect because I, I'm into a uh, musical, Lookbacks, like I, I was down with the Queen lookback. I was down with the Elton John lookback. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I like that where you, you put somebody's musical career into a movie. That intrigues me. But now, we're, where are we going to stop? Now it's Aretha Franklin, and great, awesome musician, fantastic. But does that mean every pop star of our career is going to have their own movie? Uh, I don't. Know. We got create. We got to get creative. We're just going the same well over and over and beating a dead well, horse. It, it's it's always I'm always reminded of how Spielberg back in 2013 predicted that there would be an implosion that Hollywood are facing it, an implosion yeah. because they're so invested in the, you know, in the blockbuster business model. And um, I'm not sure if it was if that's still the case. I mean, um, they still keep chugging along. COVID's kind of thrown a weird wrench, but you know. Yeah. Is that the same Spielberg, though, that's remaking West Side Story? I mean, you know, look, I respect Steven Spielberg as much as the next guy, but this is the same guy that was bad-mouthing, you know, superhero movies years ago, and then what does he do? He makes a bunch of cash-grab Indiana Jones stuff, and they're still going to be making more Indiana Jones movies. He makes the West Side Story remake. Why can't I don't think he's involved with the fifth one, though. He was involved with number four. <laughs> well, but, but, but the, the point remains, though, that Actually, he is an executive producer on that project. But at, at any rate, I'm looking at the IMDb on that. But okay, fair you enough. Know, I respect Spielberg as much as anybody. The guy can make a great film, and he does do original content. But for every Minority Report or ET, we also get an Indiana Jones sequel. We get a West Side Story remake. And again, you know, do, was were people clamoring for a West Side Story remake? I don't know. I I mean. Maybe they are. And I'm not saying that it can't be a good movie. It probably will be. It's just, you know, he's casting these stones against all these other people for making sequels or superhero movies when the reality is, you know, Indiana Jones is his superhero movie. West Side Story is a remake. I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg is the type of director that if he comes to any studio and says, I want to do this movie, generally speaking, he's going to get front of the money. You know, or if he has to, he can go to Netflix or whatever, you know. So I, I don't really like the idea that he was bad mouthing superhero movies. You know, if he says he doesn't like them because they're not good to him, then that's fine. But don't bad mouth sequels and superhero movies in this, this, you know, society that only, you know, cares about junk when, you know, he gives us other movies that probably aren't necessary either. Like, you know, Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't a bad movie in some ways. It's just, again, it was a cash grab or West Side Story oh. remake. Is it really necessary? Wait, well, here's my beef of Keanu Reeves. And yes, Tom Cruise is doing that because it's been, what, 30 years since he did Top Gun. But Keanu Reeves, okay, at least with um, Speed, he tried to do the cash grab and do Speed 2 like a year after Speed came out. But Keanu Reeves, oh, I'm too good for Bill and Ted. Oh, we're not doing, you know, Matrix again. And suddenly over the past couple of years, yeah, Bill and Ted, why not? You know, Matrix, why not? Uh, Brandon, I, I'm, I'm foreseeing a Speed 3 coming pretty soon. <laughs> uh, Speed 3 by end of the year is my hot, you know, movie, Speed. you know, prediction. I really don't. You know, the one thing I never liked about Speed is the same reason I couldn't get on board with Die Hard. It was just such a claustrophobic setting. I just like. They're just trapped out. They're trapped in a spot, and then it's like at least speed. You could cut back and forth between some 
I don't know. I just didn't like those. I don't really kind of like those movies. Die Hard had warmed up to me. I liked, uh, that's why I liked the Die Hard 3 film because it was at least they were moving around to different places. That was more engaging in my mind for some reason. I, I, I kind of like Cinder Bullock as the girl next door, but she lost that girl next door appeal after Speed 1. Because okay, I think Speed but, was one of her first movies. And I was like down. I was like, oh, yeah, Cinder Bullock, very nice. And then she, she, could, she should have quit while she was behind, I guess. I don't know. But... But Keanu Reeves is, I think, his better films have been the John Wick series. And that's, you know, kind of your run-of-the-mill action flick, but it's, but maybe with some, I don't know, new, new, new twist. I don't know how to explain it. Some people say the choreography and the, and like the actually, the the shooting, the shoot 'em up scenes are a lot more realistic. I, I don't know, but the stunts are a lot, are a lot better. But I've watched them and they're just really nice popcorn films. I think those are probably his better work but somehow he's he's finding a sort of a weird revival as a celebrity in a way like people just go crazy about oh this is the kind of person he's dating or you know he's just so nice i'm like this is strange but okay well here's my ever annoyance i love this i love when we just yell at pop star or celebrities and everything you know tom cruise why are you calling your new movie mission impossible seven that just doesn't denote a great movie. You know what I mean? Why can't it be Mission Impossible Reloaded or Mission Impossible We're Ticked Off and We're Coming Back for More or whatever? You know, when, when we're getting into Mission Impossible 15 or, you know, well, like, I mean, uh, yeah. It, it's possible that, you know, the, the Mission Impossible 7, well, they're shooting Mission Impossible 7 and 8 back to back. And it's, it's probably called like, Mission Impossible 8. No, I, I think it's what's likely going to happen is they're working titles and they're going to, um, you know, change like they had Rogue Nation or Mission Impossible okay. Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, my assumption is going to be that's that's the what they're going to go with. Um, they haven't really done the Mission Impossible 1, 2, and 3 since 1, 2, and 3, They the numerical system. So uh, my guess is that it's just a working title. It's going to get a name eventually before release. And um, I would be shocked if it stays Mission Impossible 7 and Mission Impossible okay. 8. But I will say, you know, you know, we talk about do we need those. Those those in that franchise, the Mission Impossible franchise, they have gotten better since 1, 2, and 3. Like they've okay. even exceeded those films they've they've made way better movies than the first three in these last you know th- two or three so i'll give credit where credit is due mission impossible fallout was you know uh, among the year's best and and you know i just feel like they've gotten better and i can i can see that that franchise eventually it'll get it'll you'll get fatigued from it like we we do with everything but you know at the end of the day it still makes a lot of money and they're better movies than they've been in the years past. So I don't mind sequels like that where they're actually topping the originals or topping the last one. And, and you know, that's that's the type of Tom Cruise. If Tom Cruise is going to do the $30 million movie, give me all this money, that's the movie I want to see him in, not necessarily Top Gun 2. Or I just want to see Tom Cruise flat out just say, I've made all the money I need to make. Now I want to make, you know, other projects that, you know, that inspire his acting, you know, and, and, and make him make people understand why he was a star to begin with is because he can act. I mean, the guy has three Oscar nominations for a reason. He can act. Yeah. But Craig, good podcasting is yelling at people. <laughs> I'm enjoying today because I want to yell at people. I want to yell at Tom Cruise. And That's Kim fine. Reeves. That's fine. Not everybody loves Tom Cruise. Believe me. And, well, I just you know. want to yell at anybody. I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure Tom Cruise is a nice guy. I, I just yeah. want to yell. Do you want to All throw right. some jabs at Colin Jost really quick again, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, Colin Jost is a jerk. Scott Johansson, come on, marry your marry your level. Don't well, marry down. If, if Johansson's a ten, what is what is Jost on a scale of one to ten? Jeez, five. <laughs> you know how far he? Five, five, six. Are you kidding me? He's funny, and he was a. Well, I think he's a Harvard grad. He's, he's funny. Not bad looking. Come he's on. a good writer. He smiles at all of his jokes, like in a in sort of this like really weird way, but it's kind of like creepy. Yeah. Uh, come on, no I, seven. I just the Joe's family Christmas, and, and yeah, we're not supposed to all have big gatherings, so maybe <clears> they <throat> met over Facetime or whatever. You know, you know, hey, I'm bringing home my new wife, Scarlett. I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. You know, 
Uh, it would be like, okay. No, no, he calls her Scar, probably. Hey, I married up. My wife's fantastic. But, you know, that would be like if I took a different course and, and maybe I'm a funny guy or whatever, and I married Jennifer Lopez. I mean, I, you know, whatever. Good for me. But, but, you know, I bring home Jennifer Lopez. It's just like something doesn't seem right. It's just very strange. I don't know. All right. Well, we, we got to talk about a couple of quick things um, before we uh, close for night. Um, inauguration. Okay. Let me give a 30-second diatribe because we're going to talk about the inauguration. But the reason why I've been making fun of celebrities there is I don't want to get into a big, oh, Joe Biden, let's talk policies. Because I, I work with Gannett, Ohio. Yesterday, every story we wrote, if it was a fun little story, if it was a serious story, whatever, you know, oh, Biden's the best or Biden's the worst. or It's like, shut up. The guy's been in office for one day. And I'm not pointing at the camera right. One day. Well, probably less than one day. <laughs> yeah, less than one day. Uh, he's been president. We're taping this, what, 645? Uh, he's been president for, what, 17 hours or whatever the case might be right now. Calm down, okay? Um, honestly, I think our problem with our country is we look to the president as the source of everything right? like okay yes they're our leader we need to pray for them we need to hope for the best for them but for the past four years if you love donald trump or if you hate donald trump we had this obsession if you hate donald trump we had this obsession where we talked about him all the time and we griped about him all the time if you love donald trump you talked about him all the time and you had flags and all this weird stuff in your car to, to him and everything both it's got to stop you know let's calm down we still want to pay attention to the president. We still want to make sure uh, Joe Biden is doing the good things. And on this podcast, we're nonpartisan, but we're going to call balls and strikes. We were critical of Donald Trump. We're going to be critical of Joe Biden when things go wrong. I'm sure it's going to go wrong. I will say, and again, I want to talk to you guys about the entertainment part of it, because that's what I want us to be about. I was encouraged yesterday, just from the aspect of, it's like if you go to a new class or if you start a new job, you want that first day to be nice, comfortable, reassuring. Hey, we're all going to work together. That's the impression I got from the first day. And, and again, we're going to call balls and strikes. If we see good things, we'll praise them. If we see bad things, we won't. But just calm the heck down. As a Christian, I was personally offended. And look, this is going out in my Facebook. You know who you are. Had two pastors last night. Oh, it's the end of the world. Oh, Christians are going to get persecuted. Oh, it's tough. <clears throat> hey, I'm an evangelical. I, Joe Biden's Catholic. There, there are differences between the Catholic faith and the evangelical faith. But I, I respect the fact that the guy in charge loves faith, loves God. Okay? Do we look at things differently? Sure, we look at things differently. But calm the freak down. It's okay. <laughs> And especially if you're a pastor, it's one thing if I'm a journalist or a podcaster just ranting and raving and screaming about how much I hate Colin Jones because he married up or whatever. It's another thing if you've got pastor and you're leading the flock of people and you're screaming about what's happening in freaking Washington and you're praising one president or denouncing another, just go away. I mean, honestly, I'm saying that. Go, if you're if you're a pastor out there and you're screaming either way about politicians, if you love Trump or you love Biden or you hate one or the other, go away. That's not what's important. Yeah, you can have your own personal opinion. I have a pastor, and both of you guys know because we've, we talked about it on the podcast all the time. He came to me and he said, well, should I say anything? Well, you can feel something. Yeah, we all have a right to like a candy or not, but you're a pastor. You're there to help lead people to God. You're not there to help comment on stupid politics either way. Um, so just relax. Relax as you comment on Facebook posts today and everything else. Just relax. But I want to talk to you guys about what I really want to talk about, the fun part of the inauguration. I thought there were a couple interesting parts. Uh, we talked about Lady Gaga. And, again, I know I was half-joking, but I wanted to see some a poker face or whatever. I thought Lady Gaga kicked butt yesterday. Did you guys agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she's I think a lot of people think of her in one way because that's all they see is her, you know, poker face type songs and, you know, her pop star persona and her ability to sing pop hits. But at the end of the day, she's got an incredible voice. And, you know, that was on display in like A Star is Born. Uh, the movie she starred in was nominated for an Oscar. 
Um, but yeah, she's got a tremendous voice and she, she rocked it yesterday. She did a great job. She, she kind of had the, um, I think it was the Eagle with the olive branch, which was a great gesture, but it kind of looked very hunger gamesy. So it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of strange, but you know, also it meant was meant to be for Gaga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. thought they were going to start the hunger games or something, but uh, right. yeah. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's like you may storm the Capitol now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she did a great job though, and I, I didn't expect anything less out of her from, you know, that perspective though. She saw the uh, Lady Gaga look; like she had a lot of makeup and big dress, big poofy dress. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was, that was strange. I thought it was funny because you had the big official announcements, like you know, ladies and gentlemen, former President Barack Obama, and you know the big booming voice. I loved it when it was. Ladies and gentlemen, Lady Gaga. Yeah, it was funny watching the big booming announcer voice yeah. announce Lady Gaga. I thought that was fun. Being all um, serious and saying Lady yeah. Gaga. Yeah. You know. uh, Brandon, uh, one of the other things we were all worried about yesterday was J Lo. Uh, I'm not a huge J Lo singer, but I don't think she did a bad job. No, I mean, like, I'm not actually. There are two performers that that were at the organization that I'm never a big fan of: J Lo and JT. Or you know, yes, just like, and um, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're both triple threats and they have weird little cute nicknames. <laughs> but those two always annoy me. But they did great, you know, for their segments. Uh, J Lo was doing the America Beautiful Land, This Land Is Your Land, uh, hybrid song. Um, yeah. and then uh, JT did his thing with the. Uh, I think that was annoying me the most. Uh, last night's inauguration special last night was the um. It was hard to tell what was live and what was pre-record, yeah. obviously pre-recorded yeah. a little bit. Um, but it, it's and it seemed like you know kind of a telethon kind of deal, but yeah. It, it, yeah. it kind of pulled it off for the most part. Well, that's what we are during the pandemic: nothing live. We're watching games, you know, with yeah. <laughs> hardly any fans. Just uh, let's see what else was interesting from it. Oh, Garth Brooks. Now, <laughs> hey, props to Garth Brooks. I don't know if Garth. I think Garth's more probably conservative than liberal, but you know, hey, Garth. Garth saying no matter who's the president, I, I think Garth was pretty good. My my wife noted he had a rough spot. He kind of didn't hit a note right, but overall, I mean, I thought that was good. And the the poet Craig, <clears throat> uh, I thought the poet really sold. Yeah. Amanda Gorman and what a twenty three, you know, twenty three year old gets up there and takes center stage and crushes it i mean it was an inspiring poet uh, you know she's an inspiring poet and the, the poem was just beautiful and um really captured the moment that we're in and i mean I, that's the first time i've ever heard of her um but uh i would expect very big things from her in the future just a young a young up-and-coming poet what a what a beautiful what beautiful words she said and um, she really stole the show out of everybody that was there. What are the Lady Gaga, Garth Brooks, J Lo, a new president? You know, she really stole the show, and she was the one that everybody was talking about on social media after the inauguration. And Brent, I was thinking about like, um, I almost looked at this like a wedding ceremony. Like I was watching, you know, Biden coming, and I'm like, what would this be like? And it struck me. It was they were singing some song. I don't remember what it was, but they were showing Biden real close up. And man, what a feeling that had to be when you get sworn in. They sing a song after, and you're just sitting there. And yeah, you've lived your presidential campaign. You thought about being president. You know, I'm sure you had thoughts about it beforehand. But man, what would it feel like if you're sitting there going, "Dang, now I'm the president." You know, I, I'm sure he, he's excited. I'm sure he had high hopes and plans and everything. But man, that, that would have to freak you out a little bit if you're just sitting there thinking, "Crap, I'm, I'm the president now." Yeah, it's always kind of a uh, harping part of that exclusive club. Um, it is, it is something we never really will ever get. Not many, most of us will never get to really experienced or kind of understand what it's like to be in that seat. But, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to add to that observation. Well, yeah, it just had to be crazy. Like I, I think back to, you know, wedding day and you guys can you know, do that too. You know, it, it just, you plan for it and everything. And when you really say, wow, I mean, driving away, it was weird. Like I looked at my wife go, wow, we're married now. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a, 
yeah, you know, just kind of one of those kind of neat feelings. And it's scary, but yeah, you know, it's neat because you're there and you did it. And like I said, we hope the best for the guy. I I thought it was kind of a moment. Now I'm sure depending on what side of the political aisle, and you either loved it, or you hated it. But that um, Katy Perry, she did the firework song at the end of the special, um, and they had a big fireworks show and uh, a lot, a lot of neat images of Biden and his wife, you know, watching it and everything else. And hey, if you like the guy, or you don't. It, it was good TV. I, I thought it was really impressive. Did you guys make it that far in the in the ceremony? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I saw all of it. Uh, just a, it was just overall historic day. I mean, you know, Kamala Harris taking over as vice president, first female vice president, uh, person of color vice president. I mean, it just a, uh, a unique, a unique and special day. Just whether you like the candidates or not, it was just a unique day. I talked to some people yesterday that were like, "Oh, uh, you know, Biden seems okay. I don't know about that Kamala Harris." And let's don't okay. We've lived through Barack Obama for eight years. Let's don't make the same mistake we made with Barack Obama. We're like, I don't know about that Barack Obama. Well, why don't you know about him? Well, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Well, is it because Obama's a person of color that we just don't know? You know what I mean? Like, we give the old white guys credit, but if there's a person of color or if there's a woman in charge, we don't know. It's back with Hillary Clinton. And I know Hillary's a divisive figure, either love or hate her. But I wonder when some people say, I just don't know about her. Is it because she's a woman? You know, and that's the whole thing about Kamala Harris. I can't tell you much about Kamala Harris. I know a ton about her background and everything, but I'm willing to give her a chance. And if you're sitting there going, I don't know about her, are you saying that because she's a person of color woman? I don't know. That's my fear. She'll probably have like four years to kind of grow in her role. Um, I mean, like her campaign, <laughs> she dropped out before Iowa. Um, so, I mean, like, there's definitely a lot of, um, a lot of uncertainty around, like, you know, potential to be, um, uh, a future presidential candidate for the Democrat ticket. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you know, I think the one benefit benefit she'll have is being in this position. And, um, I thought she had a great, actually for the first time, I thought she had one of her better, it was one of her better speeches though on the celebrating America special last night. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, she's actually going to be very more involved with the legislative process, at least for the, for, for the next two years, because she's going to be a tie breaking vote. So yeah. that'll be a very interesting there. Um, but, um, we'll have to see what, what happens. Well, and I respect the Republicans out there who, you know, and again, symbolic. Let's not read too much into what happened the first day. I mean, we can get way in the weeds about, oh, they did this. What does this mean? I, You know, I think you saw a lot, like the, some Republicans went to the prayer service. Um, and, yeah, it was a good step. I think sometimes it's a little symbolic saying, hey, we want to work together and everything else. But I, I, I'm hoping that as a country, not just Republicans and Democrats, let's work together a little bit more. And everything, and I'm, I'm hoping, even from some of the things that were said yesterday, I'm hoping we're getting to that point because, and I think we can disagree on some of the comments on Facebook that really bothered me last night, where people were like, "Well, when you say unity, it's like take our road or not." No, I think I'm hearing from both Biden and other people saying, "Hey, we're going to disagree on stuff." Kamala Harris, during an interview I was watching the other day, said, hey, I'm going to disagree with Joe Biden. So it's not going to be this my way or the highway, but just like, let's get to the point where we're more unified, where even when we disagree, we can do it in a way that it's respectful one another. Not this yelling and screaming and everything that we've been as a country. And again, it, we both do it. I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the political eye you're on. We've got way too contentious. So let's disagree respectfully and let's do Let's do the right thing. I, I got to say, I, again, we're neutral. I'm not completely sold either way. But there were some things that about Biden yesterday that comforted me, that didn't make me angry. I liked, I don't know if you guys saw it, um, they had a speech where he swore in some of his appointees. It was by Zoom, and there was like a couple hundred people there by Zoom that he was talking to. And he made the comment. He said, hey, treat each other with respect, or I'm firing you. No questions asked. And, and look, you can compare that with the previous administration. Obviously, there's a deep <laughs> difference in the way <laughs> different administrations have approached that. But look, that's a good way. I mean, 
we need to treat each other in the podcast that way. We need to treat people we work with, our families, our loved ones. And like I said, it's the first day. Let's don't get too crazy either way. But hey, let's just say good first day. Let's relax and let's try to work together and not scream at each other. And not go on Facebook if you're a pastor and talk about how the world's coming to end (laughs) because your guy didn't get elected. I, I mean... As Christians, we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to work with each other. Yes, we can disagree. We can um, state opposing views. But don't go out there and scream at everybody. Hey, I want to mention this quick because we put this in a show sheet. Um, Netflix is getting over 200 million subscribers. I saw that, and I thought that was impressive. Uh, There was another story by the LA Times uh, that was talking about how some of these um, companies are having issues because they – People are, are unsubscribing and subscribing, but Netflix still seems to be the, I guess, gold standard. Um, you know, Brandon, I'll, I'll finish with you today. Um, uh, what's about Netflix that keeps us coming back when some of these others aren't doing as well? I'd say it still has the best, um, you know, it's chunked out a lot more original programming than I think a lot of these other companies have. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, it still has a good for the most part, a good um, library of uh, other content from other pe- other uh, places. Um, whereas, like, Disney Plus is still slowly chunking out some con- uh, original programming. Um, and I've, that seems to be the case for Peacock, um, um, CBS All Access, uh, HBO Max could go on. But basically, and sometimes some, some of the places that I think Peacock, I think I've heard it said, any original programming it's put out on its platform, it's not necessarily good. So um, that's that's kind of like it, it took Netflix a while to go from being this place, uh, an archive of all these cool media titles to becoming it's almost like its own channel. Um, that's what you have to think of Netflix more as. It's like it's like a channel, but you don't access it over the airs or through cable. We rant and raved enough about cord cutting and Craig, we're going to try. Hopefully Monday, uh, maybe to start like a little show where we talk about cord cutting. But I got to say, the only thing that makes me sick of Netflix and Hulu and all this, well, a lot of things make me sick, uh, not just one thing. But I hate when these places become the sole provider of a particular show. Like Netflix is picking up Seinfeld in a couple months and, you know, The Office goes to Peacock. They should make it work. If you're an old sitcom, everybody's got access to it. But what makes you different is the fact you're producing original content, which is good for Netflix, because Netflix is spending billions of dollars on original content. But it's so weird when everyone's like, oh, we paid $50 million for the rights of Seinfeld. Come on. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's one of the bugaboos about streaming is that, you know, if, if you don't have Netflix and you can't watch a certain program, if you don't have Peacock, you can't watch The Office. Um, you know, obviously, We've got HBO Max has friends and they have Big Bang Theory. So it's that's the big thing is, you know, people are, are trying to battle it out for streaming rights for these popular TV shows. And, you know, Netflix has had about a, a almost really a decade in advance of some of these. You know, HBO has been around for for a long time, but they never really focused as as much as what Netflix has on original content and original movies, along with developing a library. And so they've had a, about a decade or so in advance of other people. And I can expect them to have a lot more subscribers because of that. I kind of look at it this way. I think you know, HBO Max is going to have an opportunity to catch up to Netflix because they already have a, a pretty robust library of original programming like Sopranos and things like that, while also really developing their own movies for HBO Max or own other shows for HBO Max, along with, you know, acquiring libraries like Friends and Big Bang Theory and South Park, you know, so it's, they're trying to find a way to catch up, but Netflix has just been a juggernaut because they've had a, a very big head start on all these other services. Yeah, but everyone shares sitcoms. I, I guess that's where I'm at, but <laughs> I don't know. So sh- sh- well, I mean, people can, you know, these, these, these shows go up for bid and, you know, I know The Office, obviously, you know, is an NBC Universal, you know, product. But these these shows go up for for bid, and you know, if you want to bid enough to to acquire them, like you know, Friends did, and HBO Max, you know, and Time Warner or uh, not Time Warner, but AT and T and Warner Brothers came up to the plate and they said they needed it, so they bought it, you know, and they have it for I think ten years. So, you know, 
all these places you know all these things go up to bid and you know it's all about how much money you you're willing to invest in it and netflix has bought up a lot of libraries because of it brandon if i wake up one day and i see across my news feed that punky brewster the rights got <laughs> sold for a hundred million dollars <throat> to netflix i'm out you know what i mean <laughs> i'm going back to cable companies and saying here's my money <laughs> enough of you guys so i don't know if you watch if you want to shout out before you take off brandon uh, no, nothing to add. All right. Uh, Craig, anything else? No, nope, I've got nothing. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Uh, lots of pop culture talk. I like that. Where I want to be is when I'm yelling at people. That, that's kind of where my good place is. So, yeah, check it out. We'll be back tomorrow. Again, tons of stuff is happening. Uh, check our in- interviews coming up. Uh, later today, I'm going to tape some stuff with Rachel Coyle of uh, how, how things work at the Ohio State House. She's excited. She thinks that we're not going to be talking about national politics anymore. We're only going to be talking about state politics. I don't think it's going to happen. We're yeah. still going to be griping and moaning about national. But, hey, I, I love her spunk. And uh, Tyler Buchanan's going to come back and talk about some of the stuff he's been working on. And, and um, Craig, uh, you and I, and if Brandon wants to stick around, we'll talk uh, some core cutting on Monday. So, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow with more talk about stuff happening around Ohio. Have a great day, everybody.